for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis' ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Y'all, we've done all the prep work. The gear's bought and the plans are made. You've been working your skills and getting ready. You are ready. So at this point, it's time to tell some of my favorite stories that we hope will pump you up and maybe inspire you, hopefully to make you laugh a little bit and still teach some lessons that we've learned along the way. Y'all, it's time for Ornellis Unleashed. Lessons learned. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunt. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk, and they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello again, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, coming to you live from Spring, Texas, and joining me from New Mexico are your elk hunting coaches, Leroy Chavez and Joe Gillia. Hey guys, up, guys, morning. Hey, how are you morning. doing, buddy? Morning. Yeah, I'm excited about <clears throat> this, man, because uh, hey, last time, you know, I told you we we told everybody, you send us in, let us know, like that. Well, uh, we didn't. We got a lot of yays and no nays, so uh, <laughs> we're excited it's to listen. Coming at you, y'all. Yeah. Hold on to your seat. It's going to be a wild ride today. That's right, man. <laughs> Joe, before we get real crazy and buck uh-huh. wild, let's not forget our listeners. It's Elk Bros <laughs> shout out time. That's right, man. We can't forget them. <laughs> if you're new to our show, these are our shout outs. Just a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. You betcha, man. And uh, Top in the chart this week, 
the then seven-foot-tall teenage Shaquille O'Neal went to high school here. It's the most visited city in its state. And <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne was once banned from playing here for 10 years, y'all, after relieving himself on the city's icon, the Alamo. Lucky me, somebody. <laughs> San Antonio, <laughs> Texas. Yeah. San Antonio in the house, the Alamo City. The Alamo the City. Alamo. Man. Yeah. And I, I guess they have a tower there that they had built like for a world's towers. Yeah. Um, um, huge, I guess. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Sir. Pretty cool, man. Hey, San Antonio, thanks for listening. Y'all appreciate it. Okay. Next shout out with over 300 days of sunshine. It's the home of the Dinosaur Research Center, as well as the world-famous Donut Mill, a must-stop if you're ever in Woodland Park, Colorado. Now, I'm very familiar with Woodland Park. Uh, my wife, for our anniversary, said, I want to stay in a tiny, tiny, a tiny house. house. <laughs> and she found one tiny in Woodland, Woodland Park. <laughs> so I was there on June 30th. And I'll tell you his what, anniversary. This is his anniversary. anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> tell you what, uh, we did go to the donut mill and I bought a, a cinnamon roll that lasted for four days. <laughs> Are you serious? You actually went to the donut <laughs> yeah, mill? Yeah, I did. Donut mill. <laughs> and I also want to shout out the uh, Fiesta Mexicana restaurant. We also ate there, had a great meal. And uh, my wife had a margarita that probably could have lasted four days too. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been good for you, Jeff. <laughs> but uh, a nice little town, you know. Uh, kind of reminded me of Cimarron. There were deer walking around the the, oh, wow. uh, the town, and That's it's awesome. a pretty nice place. You know, I've been cl I've been through it uh, because we did some kayaking on the backside of Pikes Peak, and the lakes there, but are crystal yeah. clear. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place, mm -hmm. man. I, yeah, Woodland Park, you got it going on. And now you didn't share any of that cinnamon roll with me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he had a cinnamon roll that took him four days, and he did not share. It's a full meal by itself. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, <laughs> guys. This village of three thousand plus is known the town that time forgot, even though the town. And their 1837 cider mill exists in the shadow of Detroit. Most of the town is still on well water in Franklin, Michigan. Franklin, hmm. Michigan. Thanks, guys, for listening. You betcha. Thank you for listening, man. And, and that, you know, how cool is that, that you're able to live that close to such a huge city and you've been able to keep that smallness and, uh, and you know. On, well, that, and on regular well water. Yeah, li living like you're still in a bubble back in time, man. That's my wife's so home cool. state, Michigan, no doubt. Yep, right down <laughs> the road in a little town named Ann Arbor. Yeah, that's what, yeah, we talked about Ann Arbor last time. Sure <laughs> right. did. Uh -huh. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. I remember that. The birthplace of blue jeans and a chimpanzee named Washu that was raised here holds the title of the first non human to communicate through sign language. Shout out to Reno, Nevada. Nevada in the house. Washu, I think that's how you say his name. It's Washu or Washu. Mm -hmm. um, could sign like over 350 words and wow. even, even taught the offspring how to sign. Oh, wow. And did chores, everything, just like a, like a person. So unbelievable, man kind of scares me because i came up in the era of uh uh 
what, what was the name of that movie? Where, where Planet, of the, Planet oh, of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The great show. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so you might know this city is the home of Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Derby, but did you know that 90% of the United States disco balls are produced here? Wow. In Louisville, oh, I'm sorry, Louisville, Louisville, right. Kentucky. <laughs> Louisville. Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, man. Yeah. That Kentucky State just keeps showing up on our podcast, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, man, I tell you, that's that's pretty cool. So, you guys in Kentucky, man, when when you get some of those and and you, and you want to reach out and help us to come experience at your place, don't forget us over here. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah, you guys in Kentucky, when y'all start knocking them down, we want some pictures. You bet. For sure. You. you bet. All right, so. Uh, Elk season's here, y'all. Um, I mean, it. Uh, we've got guys that have already been hunting since August 1st. First, August 1st. In some state. And uh, we've got uh, other ones getting ready to start here in a few days. And uh, we'll be talking about our own hunt that we've got planned up in the next podcast uh, oh. after this one. But it's here. And... You know, this is Ornellis Unleashed, and it's going to be an opportunity for it. Guys, what we're doing is we're we're getting ready to have elk camp, and it's almost like it's uh, we're up there. We've got the Venezuelan Mafia with us. Chav's in the house. We got Brenda's going to be joining us this year, and uh, and when we're in elk camp, we talk about so many different things uh, while we're there. Lessons that we try to teach the the newcomers into camp experiences we try to give them and so we are bringing you in early and making you privy to our elk camp and you know like i said a big part of that is uh the stories that that gilbert likes to tell and usually they come from things that we're talking about in camp and we're going to talk about three lessons today the first one that we're going to talk about and one thing that we tell these guys man especially you've been out day one's easy day one you're pumped you're excited man uh but what if you haven't heard any calls in day one? And what if you've hiked 12 miles in day one? Day two, it's not so easy, you know? Right. And, you know, we often say that one of the things that means the most difference between being successful and not successful is determination and perseverance. Amen. I mean, I think that's a huge lesson, huh, bud? Yeah, you know, I, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd say everything that we've done so many times, all those years that we've slept in the back of trucks and yeah, perseverance. Yeah, it's just perseverance, and you never give up, guys. You 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 find your failure points, and your failure points can be in so many things. I mean, so you want to identify those. Is is it is it a piece of equipment? Is it your calling? Is it your attitude? Uh, is it uh, that you haven't eaten right? Is it when you're getting up? Uh, is it your shooting? Um, is it your your conditioning? What yeah. is what are those failure points? Uh, and you got to identify those and, and overcome them. Because Gilbert, I know. Man, I, I've known you now 10 years. Yes, sir. And, oh, shoot, I think we're heading on 11, right? And, yeah. uh, um, you know, buddy, I, I, I've had the privilege of, of being by you uh, for a lot of those years and experiencing your journey and your determination and your perseverance. And, you know, it, we're in elk camp and, and we're talking about how is persevering and people are like, well, I don't know if I could do that. 
Gilbert, can it be done? Amen. Yes, sir, it can be. Where, and Joe has this saying, where there's a will, there's a way, right? Uh, absolutely, it can be done. Um, you know, this segues into maybe one of my first stories that I'm going to tell here today on uh, on Ornellis Unleashed. But, <clears throat> you know, my journey elk hunting uh, has been documented a bunch. Uh, Y'all have heard it on the podcast where it took me four years to actually harvest a bull. Uh, for me, it was about harvesting the bull and not a bull. I had many opportunities where I was able to draw back, count coup, uh, if you will, uh, on several bulls that actually made my guides hate my guts, I think. <laughs> no, not really. They, you know, they were real cool about it because, number one, you know, when you're paying to hunt and stuff like that, I mean, you're paying. So you can have it your way. It's kind of like McDonald's. <clears throat> but uh, at the end of the day, I wished I'd, I'd learned some things uh, after four years of hunting, I wished I'd have went ahead and with my first opportunities and went ahead and took them because like Joe said this million times, it gets easier once you knock one down and it's, it's true. But look, if you guys have a, have a, uh, if you guys have a plan, uh, and I did, I had a goal, we made a plan. I just didn't understand how flawed my plan was to get to that goal. <laughs> so, uh, fellers, when you show up to elk camp your first time and you're 320, 330 pounds, uh, and there is no freaking air up there in those mountains. Somebody sucked it all up yonder years ago. Uh, so when you show up, it's like having another 400 pound monkey on your back when you're draw trying to drag it around. I have asthma issues too. So, it's really difficult for me to assimilate oxygen like well, most And at that time, people. bud, you were wearing a CPAP at that time yeah. as well. Yeah, for sure. I was having trouble sleeping. I was having trouble doing all kinds of things. You know, joints were hurting. Feet were hurting. I mean, I tore in that, a ligament in the ankle. I mean, all kinds of stuff were going on. Uh, I managed that first year to get a shot. <clears> and uh, everything I'd learned about bow hunting run out of the crack of my butt when I shot at that bull uh, <laughs> my first time. You know, I'm serious. So, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I asked Joe, I've watched Joe and with other hunters and I heard about how aggressive he was and stuff like that. I was very confident in my ability to close the deal. Uh, I've killed truckloads of whitetail deer and other animals with my bow, which are a lot, a lot harder to hit than an elk. I mean, elk's a big critter, right? But I'm going to tell you what, until you put yourself in this position, and have that kind of pressure with that bull screaming in your face and uh, all kinds of chaos going on. You really are not prepared for what's fixing to ensue. And, uh, you know, I was very, like I said, I heard Joe talking in camp about, I'm like, look, I'm with that guy. I'm smashing that elk. Right. The problem was I couldn't get there. Right. So Joe was very honest with me and telling me, Hey, listen, can't hunt with me unless you make a, a conscious effort to get your body in physical community a better physical condition so you can, at, I can at least drag your ass up and down these mountains. Right. So that's kind of what I did. I set out on that, uh, that journey. Uh, and you know, we had some ups and downs, uh, as far as making some shots that just didn't work out. Uh, I shot a bull high one, one year, got a, got one lung and that's all we got. And, uh, I ended up learning so much 
searching for that bull. I got in, in the middle of a herd that was going crazy, saw eight or 10 bulls fighting, had one almost run me over. He had never knew I was there. I could have actually shot that bull, but our, our outfitter that we hunted with at the time, Carl Gamage, uh, you know, he had a, he had a draw blood policy and for sure I could have killed one of those bulls easily while I was looking for mine. Uh, but I knew I'd have never been invited back. So we endeavored to persevere, right? Uh, we didn't come up with that animal. Uh, we kept working. Joe uh, kept helping me try to get in better shape. I was working on my diet, uh, running and walking and stuff like that. It's been a goal of mine to, to show up to elk camp every year to get better, right? And uh, the fourth, year, the fifth year that I showed up to camp, Joe and I embarked on something special. I mean, from day one, it was like, we were in them and most everybody else weren't, but it was our ability to get there and close the deal uh, that separated us from a lot of other hunters in elk camp. So tell us about that hunt, man. Yeah. So that hunt was epic. It was a, a morning. I, I remember the morning of that hunt. Uh, we had bulls screaming in every direction and we had so many scenarios just set up, blow up. I mean, set up after setup, maybe had four or five that morning that we had set up that should have been teed up, hit out of the park. And just for some reason, they just didn't work out. And that's kind of bow hunting guys. You can't get frustrated, but I'm going to tell you what, man, I was like, somebody stole my toy on Christmas morning or something <laughs> on several of them. I had my big bubble lip sticking out, man. I was like, man, I don't understand. What are we doing wrong here? So the cool thing was Joe knew we, we knew where the elk were, right? So we just had to keep coming back and keep hammering. And uh, that, that evening, we went back into that area, understanding where those bulls were. And, man, we started a calling scenario uh, where we were talking to this herd of elk. And these bulls would get fired up, and they'd come real close to us. And then they'd kind of march away with the cows. So Joe had an idea to set a decoy up on the side of a hill, uh, stay down in front by a water, area, a water hole area, and see if that we could call that elk into the opening where he could see that decoy on top of the hill. Now, now we had Carl and another hunter up the hill. We did. Uh, in a blind. So Carl and another hunter were up the hill uh, in another blind because, look, there were so many elk in the area, somebody's going to get an opportunity, right? Well, that bull that we had actually was coming to Carl and them over there calling. Joe, I'm going to tell you straight up, man, Joe can make a bull – uh, made a black stump. That's that's also from Carl Gamage right there. So, but he used a few choice words uh, other than mate. Okay, so uh, we're going to leave it unleashed, but not off the chain yet. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, Joe started calling, and I'm telling you, that bull responded to Joe, and we pulled that bull off of those other hunters, and he came to us. Well, when he came to us, he had an obstacle in his way. And Joe's like, I know exactly how to, how to work this scenario. I've got an arrow knocked up, okay? I'm still probably 295, okay? I'm not, not near where I'm at today. But Joe goes, come on, we got to go. I'm like, where are we going? I got this razor strapped to this stick, and we, he takes off running. So I get right in there behind him. He goes, I know where that bull's going. He's going to go to water. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So the bull's actually skirting. <clears throat> Uh, an object in front of us and he goes straight down a hill and Joe's 100% right. He's going to water. 
So we slide in at the last second to where we had a little ground blind set up where we were going to make a shot. We slide in there and I look up and Joe looks up and that bull's coming. I mean, he's on a string. He sees the decoy. Joe makes a couple little cow calls. He stops and roars bugles. <clears throat> I mean, mad bugles, right? And uh, he sees that cow up on the hill, and Joe softly cow calls again. Joe's in my ear. He's right over my, my right shoulder. And Joe says, listen, when he gets in this window right here, I'm going to stop him with a cow call. And you blew, you, when I stop, when I, when I cow call, you draw, and I'll cover you. I said, okay. He said, I'm going to call the yardage out, too. Man, how can you fail when you got a guy that's in your ear right there? Right? Well, I can tell you how you can fail because he tells you he bangs on your back and goes, "Are you ready?" <laughs> I'm like, "Hell yeah, I'm ready." You know? I mean, what are you gonna say, right? Are you ready? This is fixing to happen. Are you ready? I said, "Well, hell yeah, I'm ready." You know, so I get dug in and everything, get my bow set up, and uh, I'm thinking, "Well, I got two windows here: the first window and the second window." Good God, I hope he stops at the second window because that's a hell of a lot closer than the first window, right? So I was prepared either way. The bull got to 48 yards. Joe said, 48 yards. Yeah. And the bull stops, looks up the hill towards the towards the uh, the decoy. He ain't looking at us. I draw, and as soon as I draw, he cow calls again, and the bull's still looking up the hill. I'm like, I can't believe this. 48, man. I put my 40-yard pin just high as center and just my 50-yard pin at the brisket, and I touched it off. The bull slightly spun just to us a little bit on an axis. Spun a little bit, so it, it got a little bit steeper of an angle on a quarter and to a shot. So we got one lung, and then we got liver on the exit, and then it hit him in the, in the femur or, or the back leg. It hit him there and poked the hole there, too. And then he shoved it back out as he ran all the way out the other way. So chaos ensues, and he takes off running out towards the lake. Well, when he takes off running out towards the lake, he stops. And he's about 96 yards, I believe. Yeah. And uh, he's got his butt to us. And, man, he's wavering. Back and forth. Joe, Joe's like, he's going to go down right there. I looked up and I said, please, Jesus, let this thing fall right here. Right? <laughs> I mean, this is my first bull that I'm going to get to watch fall in front of me. right? And he's a gorgeous bull. I mean, a beautiful bull. He's actually sitting right here. Uh, I don't know if y'all can see him or not, but he's real pretty. I'll, I'll move my camera up there. He's real pretty bull. First bull I ever killed in my life. But it still wasn't over yet. It's taken some more perseverance here. So the bull's got his butt to us the whole time. <clears throat> Joe Cow calls to him, and he turns broadside. Well, we've been shooting at 100 yards at camp all week. Joe says, Gilbert, can you hit him out there? He's 96 yards. Yeah, and I, I want people to understand that, you know, this isn't a shot you take for your first shot, but when you have an animal that's got an arrow in him and you can get another one in him, you most definitely want to make that effort. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, you know, people – understand that if you if you practice it you can make it happen right and we uh we got him out there at 196 yards I drew back on him everything was perfect he's broadside maybe quartering away just a little bit and I cut it loose well it got him through the brisket and then it hit him in the off leg when it come through the brisket it hit him in that top part of his leg in that joint it broke his leg from that joint to the hoof 
and he went down on all fours and fell over. And we're thinking, oh, man, down goes Frazier, right? I mean, it was, it was crazy. So I knock another arrow up, right? And Joe's like, Hubert, he said he, he's trying to get up. If he gets up again, put another one in him. So the bull gets up, man, and he's just hobbling, barely going, you know. And uh, I'll save all the gory details. But this bull walks away from us hobbling and just about ready to go down at any time. And the bull gets to this obstacle uh, and he crosses it. So this obstacle was a fence. And at the end of the day, uh, Joe, you know, he said, listen, that bull's dying. He's going to die. He said, we're not going to push him. I'm going to go out there and get, get both your arrows. And we're not going to push him. We're going to back out of here and, and uh, we'll come back in the morning. Oh my God. I'm telling you, it's like somebody take a balloon and pop it with a pin. And the air comes out of it. everything that you imagine can possibly get in your head. Right. Uh, you know, did I make a good shot? Am I going to have another wasted opportunity? Are we not going to ever be able to find this bull? I mean, all of that enters your mind, you know, so stressful that night at camp. Uh, thank God we had, uh, Joe and RC and uh, Carl and camp all giving you, you know, the breeze and everything and trying to make light of a real tough situation. Uh, and we had a barrier there that the bull did jump. So we had to get some things in order for we could go follow him. Uh, we got that permission to go follow the bull the next morning. And, uh, and it was epic. Got on him about seven 30 in the morning and I'll never forget it as long as I live. That bull didn't go 50 yards past that fence line where he jumped. Right. And uh, I, I, I think, <clears throat> barring my kids and, you know, me marrying my wife and my kids being born, that was one of the greatest days of my life is walking up on that elk. And listen, <laughs> he hadn't been dead long. Uh, so what we did was perfect, backing out of there and letting him go lay down. Uh, and it's one of the rules of Beto that you'll hear my Venezuelan mafia guys talk about is the two, two hour rule. I mean, look, man, I don't care if I see him fall, I'm going to wait dang near two hours before I go over to him. <laughs> uh, but we'll learn so much, but guys, that was five years, hard, hard ass work. Right. I mean, we worked our tails off. Y'all have no clue. The area that I killed this bull takes tremendous perseverance to even get to. Right. Uh, especially from where we had to come from. So, uh, when I can I, remember when, going up that hill, man, and, oh, and, 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 <laughs> and we'd, go up that, we'd go up that hill every morning, yeah, you know, <laughs> and uh, he'd be behind me to go up it and, and uh, pulling him back down. There's such a backdraft, I'm pulling Joe back down the hill, <laughs> right? I'm huffing and puffing. I mean, so again, guys, perseverance don't ever find I found my failure point, which was my physicality, right. Um, the shooting and stuff like that, I've always been a pretty good shooter. Uh, and then picking an elk to hunt and, and making it happen, right? I think if I would have taken my guide's advice uh, and shot a first bull my first year or two that was easier, it didn't matter if it was a, a giant trophy bull or not. It was something that got under my belt and made things easier. For me, though, it was not hunting – any bull. It was about hunting a bull. I wanted to shoot a six by six or a six by five, something that's a beautiful record, uh, representation of a Rocky mountain bull. And I got that done. Uh, 
but it took me getting a lot of my failure points out of the way. And Joe, a tremendous amount of patience. I mean, Joe's got the patience of Job, right? (laughs) Uh, If y'all know the story of Job in the Bible, that's the, the, the edification of patience. That's a, that's Joe Gilly, right? Um, and Joe's not lying. When it, the first one happened, it got easier. You know, yeah. it it's got been, easier. You've we've lined it out since then every year. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah, every year, man, we've had the opportunity. We've we've knocked one down. Yeah. Uh, my calling's gotten better. Uh, you know, I feel confident every time I step in the woods that I can call a bull in. If I can hear one or see one, if I got Chav or you with me, we're going to get to it, right? And when we get to him, we'll get him in an, an opportunity where they make a good shot. I know where to shoot one at. Um, but that story is near and dear to my heart because of the first bull that I ever killed. And I'm telling you, when I, when R- Ross Miller found that bull, and uh, when Ross found him, he didn't say a word. He just called me over there. And when I saw him, I'm telling you, I bet you I'd jump. I, you can get you can get a good dollar bill under my under my vertical leap right now, but I bet you I jumped. I had a thirty six inch. Dude, vertical. I tell you what, man, I have never seen somebody <laughs> launch as high as you did. And and I and I want everybody to understand, you know, uh, Gilbert's a big, strong man. Been uh, part of Houston Sheriff Department. Uh, he don't take no guff off a lot of things, but uh, man, uh, it broke me to, that day, to, to to see the true tears. <clears throat> of happiness in your eyes uh that yeah, I day. Cried. and and, and, and <laughs> cried the genuine like the genuine gen genuine gratitude and yeah. and uh honor for that animal that that you showed and people around you that was a special moment and and i i really and that's why we do this is that we want other people to feel that and honor that the same way that you did and 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 that was pretty classy and uh that was a great moment that's a great moment i won't ever forget you know epic and uh, epic man uh, look look, there were so many guys to share that with too yeah i would be remiss not you know my my really close close friend he's like a a second dad to me bruce gainer yeah uh, was there uh scott deaton a real close friend of mine gene shockey uh, I mean, all of those guys were there, R.C. Knox, yourself, Ross Miller. I mean, you name it, that's the who's who of, you know, our elk camp of back in the day on the, uh, the well, Martinez you know, elk camp. You know? What was funny was is, uh, the, the rancher who uh, gave us permission to go on the property retrieve was there as well. And he was. what was so cool was that rancher, when rancher saw you and your reaction to that animal, he was – he – felt renewed and said you know that's why we should be doing this for what i just saw right there and i thought uh, he was that raving idiot from texas what the (laughs) hell's the matter with him (laughs) and you know uh things don't always go right and you know our second lesson of the day um really in this second lesson you know happened because we were uh this happened last year we were tracking a bull that had been hit and it was almost a scenario kind of like what Gilbert was talking about, but they don't always end up the way you want, man. I mean, it was a bull that we knew was hit um, that we had figured that bull was going to go down. You have to make two choices, man. You have to figure, are you going to push that animal or are you going to let that animal go down 
and and just find a place to lay down and die. That's that's really sometimes, and there's sometimes things that kind of make you have to make that decision. If you got bad weather coming in, or if it's a hit where you need to make that animal continue to bleed, there's a lot of stuff, man, and a lot of years that we've seen. But we were in a situation where all of us got together to track this animal, and um, we had actually lost blood. And so as a group, we were doing, we were gridding, we were circling, and, uh, and you know, there's another lesson that came from this is, guys, when you're out doing things and you're out in the woods, you had better be aware of your surroundings. And I can tell you, you might had better be prepared for the unexpected, because I believe, Gilbert, something unexpected happened to you on that, didn't it? It was crazy, man. So uh, just set the scene. We had one of our hunters in camp, knock, you know, knock a bull down and hit him with an arrow. And we decided to back out and leave him alone for five or six hours and went back to camp and ate, ate breakfast. And, uh, then we came back, uh, in the late afternoon to look for that bull. And, uh, we pretty much decided that that's what we were going to do is go help this hunter look for a bull. And, um, I can tell you this, guys, you know, if y'all are going to do that, make sure you take a sidearm with you or you take your, uh, you take your bow with you because you never know what you're going to walk up on. So the scenario is I'm walking through the woods looking for blood and, you know, you're just kind of aimlessly walking, walking along, looking down and we've lost blood. So I'm kind of grid searching and I pick up on something and it's, it looks like some blood. So I look at it and I keep following it and, you know, I can't really tell because it's dried. I can't really tell if it's blood or not. It's real windy. Like Joe and I couldn't hardly hear each other from 30 yards apart talking or, or hollering at one another. So, uh, and we're in some real thick oak brush, uh, tracking and stuff like that. So I'm easing along up through there and I, I happen to walk into this little oak mot that opens up and, I'm looking down and everything, and I happened to look to my left, and when I looked over to my left, three feet away from me lays one of the largest Bruins you've ever seen in your natural born date. I'm talking gigantor black bear, all right? He's laid down asleep right there. Now, you talk about Ornelas Unleashed. I'm telling you right now, I did not have anything. My finger, pow, pow. That's all I had <laughs> when that bear's laying there, all right? So I'm going to tell you something, people. When you're in the presence of something that can eat you alive, it is a dangerous position. Usually when I get scared, I get angry, okay? Well, I got scared, and I just wanted to get the hell out, right? But where are you going to go? You make any noise at all, and that bear is probably going to jump on you because you've startled him, right? I'm telling you, I am three feet away from a huge black bear that can eat my ass any minute. Oh, my gosh. So I'm like, I'm going to try to get out of here the same way I came in. And I'm thinking about my wind direction and every, cause I do not want him to go, Oh man, I smelled the big Texan. <laughs> you know? So I stepped back gingerly. I stepped back. Well, as soon as I did crack goes a twig, that bear popped his head up like that. I'm telling you, man, I bet you I squeezed out a little pee. I ain't lying. 
right. When that bear's head popped up, holy smokes, I went, oh, my God, he's looking in another direction. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. He turns his head real slow, like, man, I know something's behind me, but I can't really tell what it is. Fellas, let me tell you something. I'm ugly, and there's no doubt about it, because when that bear turned around and looked at me, that son of a gun blew oak brush up in front of me, and I blew oak brush up the other direction now. <laughs> and I come out of there hollering, hey, oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was hoping the damn thing wasn't behind me, you know, but he went the other direction. But he saw me and said, oh, my God. I, I, it was a good thing. You know, it happened to me one time with Carl Gamish, too. Same, same kind of scenario. The bear looked down at us and then took off running the other way. Carl looked at me and he goes, ain't you glad that some buck went the other direction? I'm like, hell yeah, because if he'd have jumped on me, Joe, I'm telling you, he'd have been on like a pot of neck bones. That, that bear was not happy that I was in there in his bed, right? And I was just aimlessly walking around and not paying much of attention other than, what's on the ground, right? And I'm telling you, I walked straight in there to that bear's little bed area where he likes taking his siesta from eating all that oak brush and everything. And you know what clued me into there's bears in the area? It was all the broke branches and everything. Well, hello, there's bears in there, especially when you got big piles of crap laying around everywhere. You ought to be a hell of a lot more, uh, you know, cognizant of your surroundings. Uh, so that's how I almost got ate by a bear uh, in that scenario. So please be prepared, carry a sidearm or some bear spray or your bow. I'd probably be a good idea to have your bow with you, but I'd have real still felt pretty, uh, inept with my bow with three feet with that bear there. So, <laughs> it was well, an epic event. I can tell you that right now, man. Well, them bears, you. they can be downright on you. Remember that story Carl <clears throat> told about that bear, uh, it had something to do with, uh, was it a t-shirt? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He, 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 somehow he got his scent off of that t-shirt or something. That bear followed him around all the time. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if that bear would have took off after me, he'd have had a hell of a time catching me because I'm telling you, I left a bunch of poop down on the ground. He'd have been slipping <laughs> and all that trying to get on. I'm telling you, that was a, that was a hairy situation that could have got bad real quick. Oh, know? definitely. I mean, man. when you start on one of them critters, you just never know what he's going to do. Nine times out of 10, they jump on whatever started them, you know? So I'm just glad, I, you know, Jesus took the wheel at that time and he kept that bear going in the other direction. You know, and, and, and that's what we try to, you know, a lesson out of this is, and it's hard. I mean, when you're walking through and you're focusing on, uh, on a blood trail, but I, I can tell everybody else, even when you are tracking an animal, it's huge and so important because you can get turned around so easy in some of those woods when you're tracking blood and you're just paying attention. Not only that, you know, if, when you're tracking, you got to keep looking up ahead and to your sides because there could be a bull that is not uh, dead yeah. and uh, is down. And, you know, you can actually spot that bull before you get there and jump that bull out or, you know, it. And I can – most people don't understand that a wounded bull can be as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than a wounded bear. Ooh, so, man, for sure. you know, if they've got the energy to do something and, and decide that they're going to defend themselves. So, you know, when you are out tracking your animals this year and you have a line on it, 
you know, don't be in a rush and make sure that you kind of look back to what your blood trail, how it's traveling so that you can look ahead and so that you can, you know, try to find a line and see if you can spot that animal up ahead or if there's any kind of movement or anything like that. And, and look around because, you know, there could be other things <laughs> that, that come in. And, you know, you guys that are, <clears throat> I know that what you were doing, Gilbert, is probably just the opposite of what these other guys are doing when they're up in Montana and where they're grizzly woods or something like yeah. that. They probably spend more time with their heads looking up than they do down. Hell you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, uh, I'm telling you, bears are, bears are, they're a, a cool critter to look at, but I don't want to be three foot from one no more. Yeah. <laughs> Not unless he's dead and I'm walking up on him. <laughs> That's right. You know, and, uh, we were going to, uh, uh, we were going to talk about lesson number three here and, uh, lesson number three, um, guys, uh, come somewhat back to that perseverance, but in a different way. And, and there's going to be a lot of times that you're out hunting and, uh, things don't always go your way, man. I mean, things just don't happen the way that you want them to. And, uh, you'll hear a bugle here and you'll be working an animal and you might come across somebody else that's already working that animal or you have somebody that gets in the way. It is public property. And, uh, and then sometimes you hear bugles that are way the heck far away. And, and I mean, it might be the end of the morning. You've already traveled five, six miles. You've chased things uphill, downhill. And now you hear a bugle over there. And, and you know, uh, Gilbert has said that a lot of guys don't want to tell me if, if they hear a bugle because <laughs> we hear a bugle we're going oh, after it yeah mm-hmm. and, uh, and i think you kind of know what that is being with chav one time huh no doubt with same scenario it happened uh this is a cool story we had had two or three sets that morning where just the, you know the gist the gust from the gods come up and saved an elk's life for sure uh and then we're calling a bull in and he's coming on a string i mean a good bull and <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. we're trying to hold the guy off whoa 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 he just waves at us like no big deal goes right through the set blows the whole herd up you know and so chav and i are like all right we'll just keep on marching so we keep moving on and you know one certain scenario after another and it, it just it got all shut up you know and uh we're about ready to turn back and head back for the bike and everything, and we hear a bull up on top of a peak. Chad looks at me, and he goes, was that a bull? I said, mm-hmm. Way up there. Chad goes, hmm, well, ain't nothing going on down here. He goes, let's ease up there. So I'm like, okay. So we start up, and we just kept going up, up, and up, and up, and up, and up, and I'm like, Oh my God. I'm, you know, I'm about out of breath and everything. I'm like, huh? Wow. I told Chab, I said, I think I heard him again. He goes, really? I mean, we can hear our eardrums, the heartbeat in our eardrums are climbing <laughs> so high, right? We just keep easing up, easing up. Nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. I'm thinking, oh, my God, climbed all the way up here, and there's <laughs> nothing up here. You know, I'm thinking, 
God is trying to teach me some patience or something. You know, I just don't <laughs> understand what the lesson learned is here. You know, and I'm big on that. I'm big on trying to learn the lesson. What did I just not have enough physical prowess to get to the, cause we weren't just barely walking. We were humping. I mean, we were going, you know, so we get up there, man. And I hear a cow. And I'm like, wait, did you hear that Chad? And he goes, uh-uh. I said, man, I heard a cow mew. He goes, really? I said, yeah. He goes, well, let out a bugle. So I grabbed my bugle too. One down here, one up there. I'm like, oh my gosh. We had no doubt walked ourselves right into the middle or above. We actually got above, which was God sent to us because the thermals are going up that time of the morning. They're below us. Burr, I mean, this bull just bellows out, and he's probably 300, 400 yards out. And Chav's like, oh, man. He goes, he's close. I said, I think so. So, man, he bugled again. I cut him off. I went right back at him. Man, you could hear him. And he's running. Chav goes, man, we better get ready. You know. So I back up about 60 yards from Chav. Chav sits right on a tr- right. What we didn't know was a trail. He's sitting right on the trail. Okay. <laughs> I look, the bull's coming in probably 70 yards, and I'm following the trail. I'm following the trail. Yeah, it leads right between Chav's legs. Right. I'm like, oh my God, this bull is on the string. So from not hearing anything <clears throat> for 30 minutes coming up there at all and being so far away, it just taught us to never give up on that bugle that you heard. And then we, I heard one cow mew that I thought, and then Chad was like, well, why don't you just let out a bugle? When I blew that bugle up, man, and then started stepping on their bugles, and what I mean by stepping on them is cutting them off, right? Yeah. When I start stepping on their bugles, it changed the whole game. That bull, and then I, I throw a cow call or two behind us. That bull was coming. He was incensed that there was another bull up there around that herd. So Chav got ready. Here comes the bull, right? And the bull makes it into us at about 40 yards, and he's frontal. And I'm thinking, man, there's no way that Chav's going to be able to take that shot, you know? So I just turned my bugle tube, and and man, here he goes again. And he starts that walk straight to us. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's going to – Chav's kneeling now on the ground. He's kneeled down. I'm thinking, this bull is – if the bull goes left, he's going to step right on Chav. Right. That's how close he was to him. He got within maybe 10 yards of him, eight yards. And if the bull goes right, he drops down on this little ravine and he's going to walk right in front of Chad. Right. This is the, so let's, there's two parts to this. Never give up on a bugle, but also these guys never let me give up on learning how to call. Uh, I was horrible when I first started. Sound like a herd of cats like Luis Gonzalez. Oh, I, I didn't mean to say his name. But anyway, uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I could have called all the cats out of Cimarron Canyon, right? Uh, but these guys helped me in persevering with my calling. And that bull came straight in to that little cow mew that I made. And he got within – he turned right, did not step on Chab, thank God – but he turned right and he had no idea we were there at all. I mean, didn't even see Chav down on the ground. And when Chav got ready to draw, I saw him raise his bow. And when he did, I cow called and the, he gets to full draw and I'm the bull never sees Chav. And Chav's 
maybe 12, 13 yards from the bull, if that. And he's just down below a little bit. And I'm like, I can't believe this is fixing to happen. I called in a bull for, you know, arguably one of my yeah. best friends. And he cuts it loose. Shwack. Well, the bull spins and takes off down, down the hill and stops. He's got his butt to me. I got my bow at the time. And I'm like, man, I don't know if he hit him or not. You know, it sounded like a great hit. And the bull turns. Well, when the bull turns, I see the arrow hanging out of him. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's all the way through him and hanging out the other side, and it is right in the crease, man. I'm talking perfect. So he just stands there. Well, all of a sudden, here comes another bull from below us. And two bulls walk up the hill with about 30 cows. They come running up there, and that other bull runs to the back of that bull and slams him, man, just slams him, and they take off together and everything, and he's bleeding and whatnot. Well, I walk over to Chab and I said, man, you smoked him, dude. Kind of dogpiled him and everything. He goes, no, I didn't hit that bull. I missed him. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I saw the arrow hanging out of him. He goes, ain't no way. I said, I'm telling you. He goes, no, I hit a limb. I said, well, that limb deflected that arrow straight into that bull. I said, he's hit. I said, "It's the arrow's hanging out of him. And uh, so I looked with my binoculars and everything. And sure enough, the arrow was laying down there by where that other bull slammed him. So I told I told Chab I said, listen, let's let's get us a little bit of granola and sit down, and uh, and and talk about this. And what had happened was, there's no doubt, Chab was shooting a, an expandable broadhead, mm-hmm. and he'd hit a little limb, and uh, the limb expanded the broadhead. So we got absolutely zero, pen, maybe two inches of penetration, right? If that, if that. Yeah. But we we as as diligent as Chab is, when we got blood on the ground. Mm-hmm. After about an hour and a half, we saw he went and got the arrow, had about three inches of penetration, two and a half inches of penetration. Well, we decided, all right, well, look, if we cut an artery or anything like that. If he's bleeding, we're going to follow him. Yeah. Well, we followed him straight <laughs> up. That bull was fine, right? He went, st- like Joe said, they don't like going up. This bull loved going up, right? That's the only thing he did. And he went through places Br'er Rabbit couldn't get through, all right? I'm telling you. I don't know how he got his big set of antlers because, listen, this bull is a 335, 340 class, six by six. I mean, just a giant bull. And uh, he's going through places. He and Chad and I got to crawl through, you know. We're on our hands and knees dropping little pin drops of blood. And, you know, we do everything we can uh, to find that bull. <clears throat> crossed another barrier and we couldn't cross. And uh, that bull's alive and, and laughing at us today about it. But at the end of the day, we'd blown up so many opportunities down below and decided to chase one bugle. So, guys, never give up on a bugle. Uh, It was an amazing time. Uh, You know, I felt horrible for Chav. But, look, we've all been there. We, You know, we're going to learn our lessons the tough way, some of us. That's what makes this show so dang – so dang important for all of y'all because you'll get to hear some of these things that have caused us so much heartburn uh and you guys won't have to live that you just uh you'll you'll learn from some of the things that we've done right and, uh this is a great forum to be able to talk about this you know we have these awesome stories in elk camp and i love telling them uh, i've got so many of them uh, they're going to keep coming, and in just a few short weeks, we're going to make some more memories. Going to make some more, yep, aren't we, Joe? Betcha. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're yes. going to make some more memories, aren't we? Brother? For sure, yeah. yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, and I tell you what, man, uh, we were, like I said, we were at uh, that shoot yesterday. Kimasabi here, man, is, is using that Matthews, buddy. To, <laughs> Dialed it, in. Oh, he's looking good. That's yeah, awesome, Looking man. real good. Well, I can't wait to get in the woods and make it happen, that's for sure. You betcha. Um, guys, this, uh, this, this series that we've done the last couple of podcasts have been uh, amazing. Get you guys started off on the right foot. Uh, we can't yeah. thank y'all enough for all your questions and all of your comments, all the rating and reviewing. We're thoroughly enjoying doing this. We're going to actually shoot a podcast from Elk Camp this year. It's going to be really cool, epic. Hopefully, we got some good pictures and video to put up, and you guys can see some of our epic journey uh, for sure. Yeah, that's gonna. It's gonna. We'll talk more about that on our next one. Um, we, we've got some things that we're going to try to do that we've never done before. Um, that's always exciting. Uh, it might add a whole different element to, you know, to the hunt, but Hey man, that that's good. I mean, I, I love a challenge. Uh, I'd like to challenge myself, ask all of you guys to constantly challenge yourselves every day to get yep. better at what you're doing here. So, um, looking forward to it, man. The, the next time, uh, we do our cast here, it's going to be right before we head out to hunt and we'll talk more what's going to happen from there. And I really hope you've enjoyed, uh, these stories um you've got a taste of our elk camp some of the things that we've done you're hearing it as it as it happened let me tell you <laughs> and uh you know things don't always go right um we hope that you learn from our mistakes we've made them um we've done a lot of things right uh to, to have some of the successes that we've had over the years and you know like think about what he said you know perseverance patience determination not giving up on things, being aware, you know, uh, finding those failure points. You know, you, you're hearing a lot of things that help lead to success. Uh, I always want you to remember this, though. You know, a lot of times the difference between the person who makes it happen and who doesn't is because that's the person who believes they can. You know, your mentality no your positive mental attitude, um, your confidence are, are the strongest tool that you take with you out in the woods. Now, I've seen people time and again um, do things that they should not have been able to do because they believed they could. No doubt. And I, I think that's one thing that our country uh, thrives and survives on. So um, that as you head into the woods, if we're not, you know, if the next time you hear a podcast is after you get out of the woods, you know, uh, I, I hope you take that with you and, uh, and understand that uh, we all want your successes and we want to hear your stories and we want to see the, the pictures with a smile. So, Yeah, 100%, Joe. Attitude and effort is the only thing we can control on our hunt, right? We can't control the weather. We can't control the animals. Nope. You know, the only thing that we can control is the controllable things in our life, which is attitude and effort. And if you got a real good positive mental attitude and you put your effort forth every day, you know, good things are going to happen. Uh, whether we harvest an animal or not, good things are going to happen. You're going to have more memories made. Uh, you're going to have more stories to tell in an elk camp and uh, more things to learn as we go forward in teaching our kids and our families, uh, you know, the, the letter of our successes, right? So yeah. guys, uh, like we've said several times, if y'all want to, uh, if y'all like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate and review, go to Apple podcast or iTunes to review and check, a check out more elk hunting content. 
on elkbros.com. Uh, send us a question, an email at info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. For Joe and Chav in New Mexico, I'm the host of your show, Gilbert Ornelas, here in Spring, Texas. We ask all of our blue-collar elk hunters out there, God bless you. Hug your wives. Wives, hug your husbands. Kiss your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk. See you guys. See you guys. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.